A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. That people suggested was blackface. Did you see the, sorry, um, did you see the, um, the, the, the white face? <laughs> yeah, because one of the, um, someone even said, oh, there's, there was other colors though. I think Mayweather said that. Even though Mayweather. Yeah, he, he didn't, but he didn't. Um, they asked him what he thinks. He's like, I'm going inside of Gucci. Da, da, da. He was basically just saying that it's not. He supports the designer. I think his name's called Dapper Dan. So he supports right. him. He doesn't think it's racist. Um, because I think something like T.I. must have said something like, oh, we're going to cancel it for three months. So then Mayweather did like a long post saying, you guys are hypocritical because you guys make music that that speaks about drugs and all these different stuff. So yeah. you're not, who are you to even criticize? And someone like me who's been, Drug free, alcohol free, and just loves good brands. Why can't I be? That's why they didn't invite him to the Rock Nation. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get that pass. He didn't so, get. So the, yeah, so, so the white face one. I thought that was a joke. Was that actually? It was a joke. It was a joke. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that was a joke. But I thought they had other colors though. I did not see the range. Oh okay. I, I, but I so, heard that there was actually. Other it's colors. a lot of like major brands. Cause I think Montclair had an issue with the same yeah. thing. Who, who capitalized off black outreach? Yeah, 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 and I guess it beggars the question that are we. Are we utilizing the power of our combined purchasing power? No, that's not what I want to say. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. are, are yeah. black people um, correctly sort of like using their general sort of broad ability as a consumer group to influence brands? Because I think, I think in my mind, I think it's hard right. to do to like say everyone has to sort of think one way because yeah, you're black. And I don't think we're homogenous. Because I remember seeing tweets where a man was just like, yeah, but the drip. Some of them just like, you man can cancel them, but I'm still getting the Gucci steps. And um, <laughs> it's very difficult, in my opinion, to um, to now start governing um, people's um, purchasing decisions. Like, it's very it's very difficult to en masse declare. Yeah. Um, black people shouldn't be purchasing from uh, because even even something not as necessarily as large as um. Gucci, remember the, the H and M? Was it H and M or Gap? The, the, the little black boy with the monkey. <laughs> yeah. And the, um, um, the monkey hoodie kind of thing. Mm. Um, I, I, I think that particularly because black people, and I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking primarily of this. I'm thinking primarily of the states and how, for example, rap culture has influenced some of these larger luxury brands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because of how so many of us seem to endorse some of those larger luxury brands or so many so many of people so many people from that culture seem to in, endorse those larger luxury brands um that's a number those are a number of items for example that a lot of us aren't purchasing mm-hmm. so yeah from our perspective um cancel them or not canceling them i don't wear xyz so you telling me cancel Gucci, what does that mean yeah um <laughs> You know, this is rich because <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Dami's wearing, for the avoidance of that, Dami's wearing a Levi's hoodie with a boss jacket on top. I don't understand what bearing that has. <laughs> or who should be cancelled. But I'm, I mean, okay. Oh, but it, it speaks to the fact that you are wearing some of these, these major brands. Well, not as far as I'm aware, Levi's and Hugo Boss have not 
you know, try to profit off black outrage. No, 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 no doubt. Oh. I've just said that you're in the oh, no, 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 no. that can afford that. Um, that oh. being said, I, I am, um, I don't think, I don't think that it, we can start determining who can spend their money where and where not. Mm-hmm. Mary, you have the same mind or you think you're different? Um, I think if there's a brand, because I think the issue with the hip-hop culture is that they, they got into all these spaces with these high brands like Gucci, Louis Vuitton. I think there was even times when they didn't even want them to wear these brands because they felt like they were cheapening the brand. Um, and now we're, we've become such a large um, industry where what we say goes in the sense of if someone wears a Gucci jumper, a lot of people can go out and buy it. And if, so if you're being offensive to the black community or you're producing... Um, um, products or items that is that is clearly kind of mindless and very offensive then i think as a group of or a collective we can make a, a decision to say okay we're not going to wear that anymore and and there's nothing wrong with that i think sometimes we we forget how much um money we spend and how much money the black community spends because if we said okay let's just take our money out of this and pay, put it somewhere else then why can't we i, I don't want to wear anything that's that i feel like is they, they they make money off of us and they don't really care about us because yeah. they just drop something like this like black that's when i saw the hoodie i was like oh, this is blackface like right. come on even the the katie perry i think she has something on her shoe yeah, on yeah, the okay. Montclair okay. one again just not was no one thinking was nobody in the room when these designs were made and if of course apologies are apologies but if you see this happening all the time then maybe it's a right decision to say actually i'm just not going to support that brand and you have the freedom to do so and again as dami's yeah. saying you have the freedom not to do so either but i question it if whether we're actually overestimating our purchasing power particularly in the luxury goods retail market no i don't I think don't, so i don't know what our, our no they spend a lot of these hip-hop artists is. basketball players athletes but they spend a, a lot of money a very particular class but even 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 that aside i think one of the things i read previously is that consumer groups who don't have necessarily the money to buy um, co- really expensive assets mm-hmm. of homes and that kind of thing spend a lot of their disposable income on attainable quote-unquote assets like luxury brands. Right. So there's a significant proportion of people who aren't necessarily uh, sort of well off, they don't have that much in their sort of mm-hmm. bank accounts, but the clothes that they choose to purchase would indicate a different story and i think as a <laughs> maybe that's a different issue for those people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I hear you, yeah. I hear you, I hear you. Um, but i guess i guess in my mind like when i was thinking when i was thinking as i was asking the question like not saying that our sort of particular context is exactly the same mm-hmm. but one of the things that meant the civil rights movement was able to have the impact it had mm-hmm. was the unity between the people so when yep. for example there was the boycott of the buses if half the people say you know what, I hear you, but I need to get to work, yeah? And that wouldn't have worked. Everyone had to be in it, and they had to be in it for a period of time that indicated that they were willing to struggle and it would go towards their detriment mm-hmm. until they saw the change they went to see. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that it's the same thing because they were fighting for liberties that you would say um, are just intrinsic to humanity, yeah. And we're talking about necessarily a brand sort of respecting us as people, which is important, mm-hmm. but we can live our lives by ignoring that brand if we want to. Sure. Yeah. But the, que- yeah, so the, but the question just comes from that v- place of black people, like how do we sort of tell these brands, look, you need to fix up. This is not acceptable. Particularly when you're seeing other brands making the same mistakes and people are complaining about it yeah. and explaining it. It's like, how, it's like a broken record. You, you know, you you should know by now, or at least someone within the organisation should know by now that these things are just not. But I don't think so. I I personally don't think these things are accidental, right? Because I think they're seeing 
the power of black people, particularly in like on social media and in terms of cultural influence to carry them on the airwaves as it were. So for example, when they put out a product which is derogatory or antagonistic towards black people, mm-hmm. they know that black Twitter, for example, is going to go off and the amount of um, interaction, interactions, threads, yeah. um, and, and, and the amount of people who are just, who actually, um, who actually want to go out and purchase that product just because it's so antagonistic. Um, I think for them, that's a calculated gamble where they think, do you know what, for a short bit of um, flack, yeah. flack, we could actually make some serious profit margins just on something that we can, we can close again in about one or two weeks. I don't know if that's great PR though, because it seems like it's very it's short term. Um, I don't it's think... Like, it, w- um, and you don't know, like social media has, social media is so powerful that they could almost uncover something and by the time you know it, you've created like a PR disaster and it's yeah. really impacted your brand. I don't, think, I don't think necessarily it's great PR, but a lot of these luxury brands are long-standing luxury brands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they know that they're, they're going to be... Gucci will reason, be around yeah, for another 50, I, I think 50, they, 100 years. They take that educated risk and say, we'll be fine. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, from our perspective, what might be nice is if the Virgil Abloh's of this world and um, I'm trying to think of like a popping UK designer, please help me if you know him. Oh, the guy, the um, head, of, head of Vogue. He doesn't design no Edward Enfield. Yeah. Or like a, or, is he or like Oswald an editor? Boating, yeah, editor. Yeah, Oswald Bolton. Um, if those guys, if those guys were out there, kind of creating their own, and I think they, they may already do. They may already um, creating their own kind of um, luxury brand, mm-hmm. and we were as consumer group were giving our backing to them and investing our money in. I don't want to say off white because I don't actually know who's behind off white. But if you understand, but what it's, I mean, it's like, Virgil Abloh is basically inspired off white. I think. Like, Somewhere is. deep in the contract is Mark Jacobs yeah, by Mark yeah, Jacobs. Oh, I don't Mark know. Jacobs. Do you know like that kind of okay. thing? But basically they're saying like, if we ourselves were producing our own luxury brand, supporting that. Mm-hmm. that, that's a way in which we can divert our our funds away from from some of these people who, who want to just profit just, of our outreach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Then. I mean, it'd be great at this point to sort of plug... Uh, Afrocentrics. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shout out Afrocentrics. So a few of us went to the WCAN hers and his um, event on Wednesday. I said Wednesday, it's not gonna mean anything to you when <laughs> this comes out, but um, yeah, really good event. And we had Jocelyn from Afrocentrics and William from Visit Vitae London. Yeah, Vitae London. Yeah, talking about their brands, their journeys, um, and just sharing tips on how to scale the challenges they're facing and the things that they're trying to do with their uh, brands in the future. So it was like super, uh, super, super, super good information to take on board really sort of candid stories. Um, Mary, any reflections from you? Um, I'm trying to think. I think one thing I did like was the whole idea around um, if you're creating something, don't wait until it's like perfect. Just kind of release it, get customer feedback and then adapt and change. Um, And I thought that was quite interesting because sometimes, especially in this market where you might have an idea, but by the time you finish finessing and creating, so your competitor might have come out. Um, So I think I like the whole idea of like staying close to your customer thinking about what they want yeah. and then adapting and changing for them as opposed to just waiting until something perfect perfect comes along because the market may actually change the customer needs may change and then so that thing you've been building for a long time it becomes kind of obsolete so i think that was a good takeaway for Ooh, me yeah. i guess okay so what were you gonna plug huh what, you're not gonna what i don't you? even have a plug but i was gonna <laughs> say in the spirit of not waiting for the perfect opportunity and segue 
I'm just going to go into the Q&A. <laughs> Bro, thank you for listening. <laughs> you know we're 11 minutes in. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I've welcome got to Dami, the Podcast. Dami, Kofi and myself, Mary. Um, so this is a Q&A episode. Yeah, yeah, Q&A episode. A few questions that you guys have submitted via email or Curious Cat. Yeah. And uh, as... as um, you going as Kofi or Kingsley? <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. I'm just going to call you Kofi. Co- I don't co- care. Call me call me whatever. Mary, call me Kofi in I real just, life. I actually minute. call you Kofi yeah, in real yeah, life yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So. No, I was just going to say, as as has been previously explained, we'll be trying to do the Q&As um, every other podcast. Yeah. Um, so please do continue to send in your questions via Curious Cat email and whatever other forums that you can use, like Twitter. Twitter, Facebook. Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, you could DM us on Twitter. You could you could even use the hashtag Blackberry and send a question there if you want to. We'll yeah, see it. Someone it. will see it anyway. Cool. First question. Um, I think we're going to start off light. So first question. It's a shame Israel's not here. Do you have to go to seminary to become a pastor? This question is actually for, it's for, for yeah, Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it sounds it? Like it's so what, should we leave it because Israel's not here? Leave for next week? Oh, you can answer it, man. There'll be more questions for Okay. Kofi, you're answering it then. Do you have to... <laughs> Do you have to go to seminary to become a pastor? What if you can't afford it? What the should struggle. you study? What should you study? Yeah, I think at seminary or if you can't afford it, what should you study oh, okay. in place of that? Okay, go on then. Dami was looking at me like he wanted to answer this question. Go on then, Dami. <laughs> um, do you have to go to seminary? To Let's break it down, yeah. Do you have to go to seminary to become a pastor? No, I don't think you have to go to seminary to become a pastor. Um, the qualifications for... Uh, leadership in the church don't necessarily require some kind of formal tutor tutelage mm-hmm. or schooling um so that's the first thing that i have in mind when i'm thinking about um what is required to become a pastor that said would going to seminary benefit you now i haven't been but i know a few people have been and obviously israel is going and for covenant campaign campaign yeah, shout out covenant campaign and for um i guess a number of reasons um, seminary would be beneficial for somebody um, if you can afford it and I'm just thinking um, things like learning the biblical languages in greater depth and mm-hmm. the impact that it has in your understanding of a text um, learning from people who have been pastors and interacting with people from other um, denominations within Christianity to have your own personal uh, views challenged and, and thought through more thoroughly mm. um, also I think Perhaps something that's underplayed in, in seminary is the the um, opportunity to go into local churches and preach to to develop your preaching abilities. Something that Yannick, who's featured on the podcast, made me aware of during his time at Beeston, uh, yeah, his Divinity School, yeah, um, and just how seminary was so beneficial for him in honing his preaching skills. Um, so yeah, that would be my take. Kofi. On the what should you study point, I think if you're not going to seminary, so if you can't afford it, Dami's sort of point at the start, the fact that the Bible doesn't require you to go to seminary means that if you can't afford it, um, you shouldn't feel guilty or um, in any sense that you've sort of like gone against what the scriptures are calling you to do and you've been unfaithful to Christ in that sense. Um, if you can't afford it, what should you study? Try and get the languages, like spend a lot of time um, going online and looking at various sort of different courses where you can actually understand, be taught the biblical languages in your own time. Um, and yeah, work to hone those abilities. Then I think what I would say is um, spend time reading church history. Um, 
like get get a, a good grasp of what has happened in the church historically um because one of the ways that we stay away from heading or actually stay we stay away from heresy and we don't go away we don't go away from orthodoxy is we in one sense look back and say is this idea i'm about to espouse something that nobody in the history of the church has thought of now the, the truth that we do preach is it's not new and so if that if you're on that line you think this is new no one has ever spoken about this chances are you're probably heading in the wrong direction and church having a good understanding of church history guides against that um and then systematic theology um have a sort of a good scope of what the bible teaches on its main core doctrines but couple that with biblical theology understand how that develops over time and then the last thing i'm saying is is that i say it last but it's the first it's, uh, it's of most importance um have a very good understanding of the scriptures like just read your bible get acquainted with your bible understand your bible know how to navigate your bible see how old testament prophecy comes out in its fulfillment in the new testament just really get acquainted with that and then pray that the lord blesses that to you um and be faithful with the gifts that you have and when opportunities come up in the future maybe to do short courses and the like at maybe seminary schools and that kind of thing try to do that yeah uh next question perfect can we speak things into existence no Anything else? I mean, no, yeah. If if we could, Arsenal would have won a premiership by now. <laughs> but like, no, I no, we can't speak things into existence. Um, yeah, I just want to say no. I just want to say no. I don't know that we can interact more with the question because there's not much of a context. Hold on, I'm that. trying to. Should we break it down? Like, what do they mean? Or obviously, we don't know what they mean. But yeah. Like, what do people usually mean when they say, "Can I speak things into existence"? So is it things like, okay. "I will get my promotion to okay, next year"? Yeah. So like putting it out into the universe and then it, it comes back. Look, I think what I want what I want to say on that is God is God creates. Yeah. Um and so God is not only one who can create out of nothing. Right. Um and that's our first and foremost. So we're not when we're we're speaking things into existence, we're not creating out of nothing. That's not we don't, we don't have that capability. What I would say is often when people put positive affirmations into the world. Okay. So I'm going to get a new job or mm-hmm. those kind of things. Often what happens is we can work towards those goals by doing the positive affirmation. And so it's not the fact that I've said, I'm gonna get this new job that has happened. It's actually that we work, we're actually working towards that. And so we do the job application and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So when the culmination comes, you get the job offer. Don't look back and go, yeah, it's cause I affirmed it in the world. No, <laughs> look at the steps that you actively took. Yeah. That sovereignly got over, uh, superseded and blessed. And that's how you actually got the job. Um, so that's my thoughts on it. So if you said you had an interview and I'm like, you're gonna get that job. I'm that's not, not that's not speaking that's just positive thinking that's not like i'm speaking things into existence depends on the person isn't it <laughs> so if i said you're gonna get that job whatever you're applying for if you, if, if you say it to me i know i'll know that it's positive thinking and i, cause I okay know you. okay you know me but yeah. if it was yeah Fred. but to be fair at the same time having said that like wisdom at times knows when to say actually bro that's wrong thinking and other times just say thank you <laughs> sometimes that's yeah, true that's love, actually love true love covers over a multitude of right. sin, mm-hmm. sin isn't it and that's maybe a sin of how you're working through understanding the scriptural information around that. So we're not saying if someone does something like that, instantly your sort of reaction has to be lambasted and corrected. Yeah. Sometimes it might be just a Thanks, smile, bro. nod, and walk on. Okay. 
Question number three. This is probably the, the quickest we've got through questions since we started doing Q&As. That's because when the last one, you guys were really just talking for time. An hour 40. You guys really enjoyed that day. And we did something like eight questions. No, but they were, that was actually really good. We appreciate the, the sound questions. quality in that one, by the way. Yeah, that yeah. sound quality was really bad. But it was it was a really good q and I'm just trolling. Okay, let's, let's go with this one. How would you advise I leave my church? For reasons I don't want to share... Okay, I've decided to leave my church, which I've been attending for the last three years. Do I need to tell my pastor the reasons why, etc.? What are your thoughts? I think you should. I think you should. Sp- I think if you're leaving a church that you've been a member of or you've been part of for three years, I think that you should inform your church you're leaving, and you should inform them of the reasons why and have a discussion. Um, so I don't want to put reasons in there, but let's say it was. Let's say it was it was any reason. Let's say it was location. You would want to say, okay, I've got a new job in Huddersfield. I'm leaving, or I have an issue with the church, and you would explain why you're leaving. Um, and you'd have a discussion. If you've been there for three years, they know you very well. Mm. I'm assuming you know them very well. You know mm. the other people who visited in the church. So I think that that's the least you can do. If if we even to assume the worst case scenario, there's some sort of um, um, like issues in the church. Maybe the church is actually breaking down, or there's something mm. that's happened in the church that's really disastrous. I think you should still um, have a discussion um, because I think your your church or your the elders, leaders, pastors have um, they have authority over you. They, mm. There's some sort of oversight they have over you as well. So you should want to inform them. Okay, I'm leaving for this reason, and yeah, and just have a discussion around it. And most churches, if they know you're leaving, um, will be concerned to see where you're going, see how you're doing. Will probably check up on you and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think you should tell your church that you're leaving. Yeah, I would just say I think that's indicative of um, your willingness to submit to the authority of your elders. Mm-hmm. It's a respectful thing, I think, to at least um, acknowledge the reasons why you would like to leave the church, whatever they may be. Um, and if you're trying to be godly in your um, outlook towards making that decision, I think um, best practice demands that you would have conversation with them and, and explain and, and have perhaps some of those thoughts challenged as well, because mm-hmm. it's not necessarily true that because you've thought of these reasons for wanting to leave, that those are the most, um, say, biblically accurate reasons or spiritually helpful um, reasons mm. for you personally. Um, so definitely good to have those kind of thoughts tested. And um, by God's grace, you and your church leadership would, would come to a, um, a, a decision on, on that particular case um, that, that best glorifies God and yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely what do you think Kofi only thing I would add is I would be careful about talking to members of the congregation okay um, I'm leaving this place is trash <laughs> <laughs> you should yeah. leave with me <laughs> uh, yeah Christ Christ church comprises a number of sheep that have varying levels of faith um, of vitality in their faith and what you wouldn't want to do is to create a situation in the church where you bring about disunity, particularly if the reason you're leaving the church is one where Christians can potentially go separate ways legitimately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be careful about that. I wouldn't want you to discourage also a saint by saying something that maybe how they interpret it begins to shake their sort of worldview mm-hmm. and their understanding of being in that church congregation. So it depends on the issue. If it's a location issue, like Mary said, that's one of those things that sometimes it happens. If the Lord providentially opens up a window of opportunity and you assess it and you think, I should go mm-hmm. and you move, 
telling your uh, telling the brethren in church that you're moving for that reason is not is less likely to cause any sort of consternation but if it's another type of reason um if it's a matter for example of your personal sin um just be just be careful about who you choose to share that with um be wise in that mm-hmm. um consider the spiritual maturity of the people you choose to share your reasons with um and yeah talk, talk to your elders first mm-hmm. um and hopefully you can come to a sort of conclusion where you leave on good terms because ultimately if this is you haven't said it's not a true church if it's a true church these are people that you're going to share eternity with and so you want to leave on terms in sort of the temporal that indicate that sort of love and yeah. um, fellowship is still there yeah the next question is we're going actually we're doing quite well actually yeah i know i'm impressed i'm impressed let's let's uh a couple oh no let's do that one that mary was laughing at at the start yeah mary was um, no nah, why are you judging me so <laughs> a, a question came in that says how do i tell my friend that i don't think they're a christian we've been friends for a while and they profess faith but too often i believe they compromise and live at odds with god i know christianity is a journey but i worry about them as they are very relaxed with their lifestyle of sin. I don't want to come across as judgmental, but I'm worried. Any advice, Black Bria? Sorry. Did you read the full question to Mary before this? Thank you very much for <laughs> my back. I read the first line. I did not read the, making it seem a little mislo- like. I was, <laughs> I was really ready to ask Mary, wow, Mary, why are you It's such yeah, a serious, it's a serious question. Serious so, question. To, to, be fair, to be fair, I was reading out the full question. Okay. And I didn't get to the end of oh, the first Oh, Mary had started I laughing. Mary just started, I read the first line. Mary had the giggles. I it was, I've, okay. I've generally got the giggles today. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> if I could defend myself. What? What if anything would have made you laugh just at that first bit? I think it was the how do I tell my friend she's not a Christian? I just think, I could just imagine like was it, sorry, but you're was, not it, was it a she? Or oh sorry, I just I just assumed gender neutral. Gender neutral. Gender okay, neutral. how do I tell someone like you're not a Christian? Like uh-uh, like it just didn't like you're not. <laughs> or our survey says just, <laughs> yeah, like I just think it's a bit crazy. But no, but the question when you like read the full question in terms of like, the person's concern, yeah. the compromise, living at odds with God, that's when it becomes a very, very, yeah, I, I understand. I shouldn't be laughing. Um, <laughs> but no, that's that's a very difficult question. Um, especially, with, I think they said something about, um, I don't want to come across as judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a, that's, a, that's a conversation that you need to have. I don't know if you need to tell them that you don't, I don't know if it's your job to tell people they're Christians or not, um, mm-hmm. in terms of, I think it's your job to present them with, the biblical kind of uh the display of what a christian is and what mm. christian looks like and the kind of evidences that a christian produces um and then kind of hope that they would examine themselves as opposed to saying no you're definitely not a christian um because as, as the person said like christianity is a journey they may be going through a period of difficulty and um but that doesn't mean they're not a believer but at the same time it could be a reason for them to examine um so i think they should have a conversation and that person seems like they've got examples of things they've done. Like, okay, you did this, you did this. Are you sure that's something that a Christian would do? And you can have a discussion around it. Um, and that may even lead to that person confiding in you and saying, actually, I've been going through difficulties. I've been struggling with sin. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've really felt like the spiritual attack, stuff like that. Um, mm. And then you can have a conversation around it. Um, but if, if you were, for example, to speak to them, they're like, oh, no, nah, it's not that deep. Like, you're just being too, ser- you're being too serious now. I think that will be quite concerning. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately you just want to 
sit down with them, um, show them what it means to be a Christian um, in terms of trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then kind of showing what that looks like in terms of our our, real, our um, relationship with sin, our relationship with holiness, how we desire daily to grow and how we de- desire daily to turn away from sin. And even though we fell, we still get up and, and look back to the cross and continue on, on the pilgrimage. So I think that's what you want to kind of have a discussion on as opposed to, no, you're not a Christian, you need to fix up, you're not a Christian, you need to get saved or something like that. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I, I agree with everything you said there. I guess maybe even before having that conversation. Okay, the first thing that came to my mind, um, Matthew 7, kind of um, taking a look out of your own eye, okay. before seeing the speck in your brother's eye. And I guess in one sense, one of the things that makes these kinds of conversation conversations hard is that people react particularly when they think, oh, but what you do, yeah. like, why is it now an issue all of a sudden that I'm doing stuff? So I'm not necessarily saying that you can't have that conversation but I think it would be good for you to check your own spiritual state um, because part of that person being receptive to the rebuke or challenge that you're posing to them is that they have to see you as somebody that they consider spiritually mature potentially, mm-hmm. somebody that they can confide in. And so as part of as part of this process, I think it would be good for you to, before going to challenge that person, taking stock of where you are personally, spiritually, mm-hmm. um, where that person sees you, um, if these are... If the, if the challenges that this person are facing are challenges that are also common to you or that you've had dealt with previously, just so that there's not that initial resistance that can build when you're trying to have a conversation with somebody about um, where you consider their their, their, their spirit, spiritual life to be mm-hmm. at that point in time. Um, and I think as part of the conversation when you're having with them, um, you could be surprised at how a vulnerable person is, is willing to be right so if you ask a person um have you been struggling with assurance mm. that kind of thing are you are you feeling the pull or the the the, the question about um you know am i really saved am i am i living a life that glorifies christ or am i living a life that is, is full of pleasure for myself kind of thing mm-hmm. and um sometimes couching the conversation and questions in that way where um almost the emphasis on that person to open up to you Rather than it, rather than it coming across as you, um, almost like pounding and pounding and pounding, yeah. without that kind of love being allowing allowing that conversation to be mutual in one sense, um, where they feel that they can open up to you and and confess if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, those would be my points to add on on that particularly. Yeah, Kofi, I don't have anything to add on this. You know, it's quite a hot, it's quite a difficult. Um, scenario though. yeah have you been in similar situations where you felt like i don't know you had a friend and you didn't think they were christian or you were concerned with them like how did you navigate i've had friends who once professed they were christian confiding me that they're as actually dami said that they're struggling with assurance and thinking are they actually a christian mm-hmm. and whether they've truly believed mm-hmm. so i've had that situation um and I've had to walk with people through that. I don't think I've had this situation where it's been. I've looked at somebody's life and you're just you're just not a well, like yeah, feeling that sense. Yeah, of, but particularly because the person says we've been friends for a while, so there's a there's a degree of proximity. I don't think I've had that with anyone who's a professing Christian who's a, who's a at close quarters with me. But on the on the um, previous thing that you mentioned, I guess it would be nice to hear 
what walking with that person looked like if you can without necessarily going into personal detail um could you just discuss a few of the things that you did with that person and, and how that led to a result in some sense um because that person listened to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're trying to keep yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to be general. In fair, it's been with more than one person. Okay. But at the same time, I'm having to just speak in bare generalities. Right, okay, okay. Um, Fakeness. <laughs> look, I think, yeah, I think assurance is one of those things that the Lord is aware that Christians might experience difficulties in gaining. And so, I, and I say that on the basis of the fact that in First John, uh, I think it's chapter 5, verse 13. Uh, John says, um, effectively, he's writing these things to us so that you who believe in the name of the Son of God can know that you have eternal life. Mm. Like, you can actually know. And that's the first thing that I want to sort of like tell people when I'm speaking to them about battles of assurance is that God's God's desire for his people is that they can actually know that they are a Christian and that this side of eternity, they can walk in the joy, the confidence, um, just, yeah, the, the happiness in, in that sense, that that knowing that you are united to Christ and Christ is mm-hmm. united to you brings. So we start with that premise um, and maybe that might take a bit more time to sort of get them to really see that, that actually this is what God wants people to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next is I want to sort of like walk with them in understanding how, what they understand of the gospel, what okay. they understand of what Christ has done. Um, whether they're operating in a sort of a Galatians type way where they think they're being perfected by their works and that's how they're being saved or they're looking at what Christ has done and actually really believing that when Christ said it was finished, it genuinely was finished. Mm. Um, So I want to walk with them on that journey and sort of like, yeah, how are you understanding the gospel? Speak to them sort of like intensely about that. Um, Then um, again, one of the things that I think often happens in the Christian life is... um, when we're looking back on fruit and progress, I think there are certain personality types that lend themselves well to being introspective, but also lend themselves well to not having... Assurance. Yeah, assurance, mm. and also ha- not having the range to look back properly. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the midst of maybe a particularly challenging period, right. um, you can be so intensely focused on maybe like the last couple of weeks or so on, that you forget about the work that God was doing in and through you over the last six months. So what I want to do with that person is expand the horizon of where they're looking at, where they're looking at the, their sort of like, their lifestyle and what's been happening in their lives and the like. Um, and then I also, ideally, I want to do it in the context of them being in a church. Because mm. um, one of the ways in which we know um, that we are Christians um, is in one sense in our relation to other Christians. Um, the way in which you love people that you see mm-hmm. is indicative of the love that you have for a God you can't see. Mm. And if I find that someone is de-churched in that sense, I want to know the reasons why. Um, I want them to get into a, uh, into a regularly attending a church. If they're a member of getting back to regularly attending that means of grace. Um, and then I want to create an atmosphere where they can talk to me about particular sins. Because I think there are certain sins that destabilize assurance. Um, mm-hmm. And you get to that stage of thinking, can a Christian do this? How can a Christian do this? Mm-hmm. And what I want to do is create an atmosphere where they can, they, once they've been really gospelized, that they understand that Christ has died for sin, that they can be on that basis then open and say, this is where I'm at with sin. And we can then walk through whether actually you're struggling with sin or 
you were living in sin. And those are two different realities, but right. it's, sometimes it's hard to sort of make that distinction. Wow, see answer. <laughs> that was fantastic, man. Wow. Did talking. That touched me. <laughs> but there was a bomb part when you were talking. I was like, give my baby a shot. I give my baby a light. Wait, wait, say it. What is Mary saying? Mary came to sing Davido. Oh, come on. Podcast. <laughs> I don't know if that's kind of insurance. I was going to say insurance. Insurance that Davido was speaking of. He wasn't. Nonetheless. Bang on, bang on, bang on, bang on. Next question. <laughs> I told you I've got the giggles today. I'm done. Oh, mate. Okay, let's. Another sort of tricky one, and then we'll do some light-hearted ones, yeah. Our Lord Jesus talks about having to forgive those who sin against us in order for God to forgive our own sins. How do you reconcile that with salvation not being by works and justification being a one-time thing? Demi? I'm going to take as much time as I <laughs> Take your time, please. This, this is a tricky question. Can you repeat it again? Okay. I'll read it anyway. So uh, Jesus talks about having to forgive those who sin against us in order for God to forgive our own sins. How do you reconcile that with salvation not being by works and justification being a one-time thing? So he's, he's talking about the Lord's Prayer in terms mm-hmm. of forgive us yeah, as yeah. we forgive those who yeah. mm-hmm. trespass against us. Kofi, you got anything to say? Are you on WhatsApp? I'm opening my Bible app. <laughs> <laughs> Godly man. <laughs> Now do what? I think my um, real concern is just understanding what is meant in the first part of the question. Okay. He's like he's, he's almost saying if we if it's if it's by us forgiving others that we are forgiven, then does that contradict with us being saved by grace and not by works? Mm. I sorry, yeah, I I don't think sorry, Matthew six um, The Lord's Prayer. Yeah, I'm, I think I, I feel like I'm trying to say I don't think you're forgiven because you forgive others. Yeah, I think it shows. Yeah. I think forgiving others shows that you've been forgiven. That you've been forgiven. So you're not. You're, you're, so you're not forgiven because you've forgiven others. In that sense, then it becomes easy to reconcile with. Um, salvation because we know that salvation is by grace alone and that we are um, justified by faith do also i do but i do want to explore what potentially is being said there though mm-hmm. just a bit more in that in that first bit so what could we understand that that to mean i'm not sure um so i think the first thing i want to say is yeah very good question and it shows that somebody is like reading the scriptures closely mm. um one of the things that reformers have done historically with how they've interpreted scripture is they've said that they've said that the bible is clear but the level of clarity on certain points differs at certain points Mm -hmm. okay so there's there's teachings that are plain and they're obvious and there are teachings that are more difficult to understand and the scriptures recognizes that as well Mm -hmm. um so what I want to say is I want to interpret that in light of what is clear. So what's clear is that salvation is by grace. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And that's the message that permeates the entirety of scripture. Mm-hmm. So when we come into this text, we know then that because scripture is not going to contradict scripture, what we've been able to interpret from a number of different passages about this grace, salvation coming through grace, means that whatever we come to is here as a conclusion cannot be 
uh, juxtaposed against that. Now, when I'm looking at this particular passage in Matthew, I'm looking at it in light of one, um, the Lord saying in the Lord's Prayer, uh, forgive us, telling Christians to ask God to forgive them as they're forgiving their debtors. Mm -hmm. um, and two, so that comes like a few verses up in the actual Lord's Prayer. And two, I'm looking at it in light of, for example, Matthew, I think it's Matthew 21, where um, our Lord gives the parable of uh, the unforgiven servant. Um, so like this, this, this parable basically, um, in effect, is about um, someone who had a debt that they couldn't pay. Yeah, like an astronomical debt that they couldn't pay. And their master shows mercy to them. Yeah, mm -hmm. they don't have to pay that particular debt. So they're ecstatic, etc. They go free and they go off. And then instead of walking in the spirit of that forgiveness and mercy and so on, they go on to interact with someone who owes them a much lesser debt and they're onerous. They're like, you need to pay me this, blah, 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 blah. And what happens as a result of that is people see this. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported their master all that had taken place. And now the master brings him in and he says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Mm -hmm. And I think what, this, what, what Christ is saying in this passage, what it goes to the heart of is a true understanding of what happens in the gospel in God forgiving sinners for their sin permeates the rest of the way that we navigate through this life right. and so a truly forgiven sinner forgives yeah and so if you are not forgiving i'm not talking about someone who's on the journey towards forgiveness and finding it hard but if you are not forgiving it might be indicative of the fact that you haven't truly been forgiven that you mm -hmm. haven't truly understand what happens in the gospel right. and so christ's teaching is is there warning us not to forget uh, not to believe presume upon our belief falsely um and forgiveness is one of the ways that we can sort of see where we're at in terms of the Christian faith. Um, mm -hmm. And just to add on to that, forgiveness should be instant from Christians, but because of sin, sometimes we're not able to do it instantly, but mm -hmm. we should always be walking towards full forgiveness of anyone that has offended us. Mm -hmm. And so whilst this is an instant reality, I, I realize that at times it can be tricky for us to walk in the spirit of forgiveness and we have to work towards that because it demonstrates the understanding of what we believe about the gospel. Yeah, those who are forgiven much, love much. So, yeah. Dami, anything you want to add? You're really thinking. No, I'm... Like, the the forgiveness must be... Um, forgiveness must be instant. Um, oh. I appreciate the point that's being made about... Should be instant. Should, sorry, yeah. Forgiveness should be instant. Um, why? I say in the sense of a perfect person. Right, okay. Yeah, okay, so okay, if okay. yeah, if a perfect person is offended yeah. and someone goes to them and says, Please forgive me for yeah. my offence, it comes instantly. Right. And I say that in the context of Christ forgiven instantly those who genuinely ask for okay. forgiveness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's where I say okay, it. Okay. in our experience because we're tainted with sin. Oh. Um, we're not able always to walk in that instantly. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so what I'm saying is uh, if a Christian feels that poor, it's like, I want to forgive, I'm finding it hard to forgive. I don't want to think, does that mean I'm not a Christian? Right, right, right. But it's about um, direction as opposed to perfection. Mm -hmm. <laughs> direction, but not perfection. You that's how you ensure your relaxation. That's fire! That fire! Yo! Fire!
Oh, mate. Oh, mate. You know, we've been around Israel too much. <laughs> too much. But, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, next oh, question. God. Okay, uh, next question. What are we going to go? Yeah, I said some light-hearted ones, isn't it? Yeah, you've been asking some really tricky ones. Okay. Uh, how long should I wait to pursue a new Christian? <gasps> Person has even got a baptism words. Yeah, you're already, you're already, you're already holding, pulling her from. The, Hello, sister. I'm laughing because sorry, when this question was first posed, somebody else was in the room and just said, "Men are trash." <laughs> trash, oh, trash. Um, in in fairness. It's a gender-neutral question. But to, to be fair, the language of pursuit probably pursuit, indicates... No, yeah, yeah. That's something. definitely a brother. I mean, I'm, what was it? What was it? Um, definitely Sit with Shy. That was very, that was very, very topical. Oh, yeah. Um, as in the mechanics of pursuit. Mm-hmm. How long should you wait to... Are, are we taking this from the vantage point of somebody who's, like, who's left... The person who's pursuing has left a relationship? I think that's the oh, I thought you were talking about how long yeah. should I wait? I think they're, new, they're newly converted. How long should yeah. I wait? So, oh, yeah. So, um, Sally becomes a Christian today. How long should you wait? Let's say Mark was eyeing her. How long should you wait? I don't think I can be prescriptive in terms of you can't, um, but, time frame. Um, what I think... Why are you laughing? Sorry. What I... What I think wisdom dictates is that you would like to see fruit born mm. in that person's mm-hmm. Christian life before you decide to make any hasty decisions about your your desire to um, court that person or uh, or um, even marry that person because some of you just move fast. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, Do you should. No, sorry, I'm not sure. So, um, said slow down. <laughs> I just, just want to get to know you. <laughs> that's, like, that's actually necessary. Um, just in just in terms of, um, I think being being a good brother or sister to that person. Yeah. Um, part of that requires you get taking the time to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps seeing their strengths and weaknesses in the faith and seeing how you can aid them um, outside of a rom- outside of a romantic relationship for mm-hmm. considering. Um, get into a romantic relationship maybe i want to say also like don't wait too long because Mm. (laughs) there are other people that might be eyeing your (laughs) significant interest so i think speaking from experience and from some of the other sisters i've spoken to who's had similar it's, it's a shame because you want like when you become a christian there's that kind of fire you have to wanting to get into scriptures spending time with the lord and then this brother just comes and wants to take your not joy away but like i'm trying to get acquainted with my lord and you're just talking to me about marriage like give me some time um but of course you that we can't be prescriptive with time i can't say six months but at least give them some time yeah, like i know yeah. some people who they got saved and next week brother was like what's so your sister. like brother like she doesn't even know some of the the greatest books. Like, let her unpack first. Come on, let her let her finish Romans and Philippians before you start. Um, she John the Baptist wrote the Gospel of John. <laughs> <laughs> that's, still that's wondering how Moses wrote. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, of course we can't be prescriptive. But I think, as you said, I yeah. think I agree with that. Just wanted to give them some time to at least see some sort of fruit being produced or some sort of maturity, and then yeah, just be a good friend to them. And then when you're ready, 
do your thing. Also, I think, look, I think at times um, our generation is probably the, the generation of independence where we, because of the nature of how our lives work, we take decisions often where we just do it on a whim. We decide, we take the action and we're not necessarily bringing people into that decision. We've lost that sense of community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, what I want to say on that is I think the wise man keeps wise counsel. Mm-hmm. And so when you see a particular person that piques your interest, have a word with your elders who will know yeah, that's a good point. her spiritual state or his spiritual state. And they will be able to guide you also about whether it's a good time. Why are you laughing? Shout out, my love. Whether it's a good time for that person to be considering a relationship. And I agree I agree with what Dime says, you don't want to wait too long, you don't want to wait like three years. But also, no one's waiting three years. Yeah, but who, but also what you want to say at the same time as not waiting three years, you also want to say um, that you believe that if it's the person that the Lord has for you, you being patient in the mm-hmm. pursuit of them is mm-hmm. not going to frustrate, yeah, yeah. frustrate God's designs yeah. for you sure, to come thank together. You. Sure, thank you. After she's... You know, taking her time, prayed, grown in the in grace. She'd be like, oh, thank you for waiting for me. Yeah, shout out that man. Yeah. Balance, though. Want to win. Like, <laughs> I, I really believe what I'm saying, but balance, because, you know, <coughs> there are certain brothers in the church who... They wait too long. They feel called to marriage in a very intense way. So balance, but... Mm. <coughs> yeah. And see a prayer closet. I think this might be our last question. Okay. Um, and it's a, uh, it's not necessarily, it's not a light one. It's not a light one. Okay. Um, so he lied. Pardon? <laughs> he actually lied. So I was going to do light questions then. Though. He was like, yeah, we're doing light questions, light questions. Now you've got one, one heavy one now to drop. Yeah. So I intended to ask a light question, but this question was asked previously and we didn't get an opportunity to answer it on our last Q and A. So we're going to answer it. Okay. I didn't lie. <laughs> Many are the plans. <laughs> now finish the scripture. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You know what I did right there, yeah? I definitely have mixed up NLT. But you get the point. It was my intention, but this is what's happened. Okay. So the question is, and we're going to try to answer it, understanding something of, um, the way that men and women might differently interact with these things. Okay. How do I overcome sexual sin? For example, fornication, masturbation, and or pornography. I think we should do it one by one. How can you just drop your phone like that as well? <laughs> I think we should do it one by one. Let's okay. start with how do I overcome sexual sin in the form of fornication? Okay. Um. So I will kind of recount some things that I, I don't know, I mentioned it in a previous podcast that okay. I had read a book on sexual detox by Tim Chalice. And I think that was very useful for me in formulating thoughts and um, thinking through how to detox in a very sexualized age. Um, and so I guess, like you said, question asked different answers for the, the three different things. So. On, on fornication, I think, um, I don't necessarily think this is specific to, to men, okay. um, but just in terms of the thoughts that I had. Um, first thing I would say is take, take seriously the warning um, in First Corinthians 6, um, that those who are sexually immoral 
will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, I think when you're dealing with something as serious as um, fornication, um, you want to be struck by not only God's design um, for sex within marriage, but also the fact that this is a grievous sin um, that can take one to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and within that same passage, be encouraged by the fact that it says, and such are some of you. Mm. Um, so there's a reminder there like that saints past have been washed as you can be. Um, and I guess for somebody who is struggling with um, fornication and more generally, I think maybe pornography and all those kind of things, um, they kind of feel that the weight of such sins can be so heavy that they don't think that victory can be had. But that's mm-hmm. a very encouraging reminder that um, people who have gone before you have had victory over those sins. So, and such or some of you should be a reminder to you that this is not a losing battle. Um, and then three, um, I'd be thinking about um, almost practical steps as well. F- fleeing from those kind of scenarios or occasions where you're likely to commit fornication. Um, and so if you know, for example, that you... Uh, say you're in a relationship or not even in a relationship and you're going to personal um, meetings with your significant other or whatnot or somebody that you like or whatever do not put yourself in compromising positions or where you're vulnerable to be tempted um, to fornicate so I would encourage you then to enjoy more kind of public gatherings of other Christians um, and put yourself in safe settings um Accountability as well, uh, I would suggest, is a big one. Um, so, Tim Chalice in his book um, tells people to put their put their their pride away and speak to their pastor. Okay. God has given us um, elders um, for us to be able to, who, sorry, who are who are spiritually in charge of us, and who will be able to help us through facing some of the sins. Um, that have marked our lives. Um, and as, as Kingsley alluded to earlier, um, depending on the counsel that you have around you, particularly if they're spiritually mature, these may be people that you want to broach in terms of saying to them, I've fallen in this way. Um, and with that accountability, you would hope that true repentance would be granted um, mm-hmm. in the rebuke or the, or the challenge that they pose to you. Um, because ultimately we would want to see um, your faith renewed having fallen um, and then lastly the encouragement would be to fight fight daily like mm-hmm. put, put sin to death um, really really work to to, to, to kill your sin daily um, when you wake up in the morning and if, if, if this is how you if this is how you kind of structure your day and you're praying um, you'd want to be asking the spirit to give you grace and strength to be able to put your sin to death and to mortify your flesh and all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I would, that's how I would look at it. Mary, did you have any thoughts? Um, yeah, basically everything Dami said. Um, <laughs> but I will, I will try and add a few. Um, I think from a woman's perspective, I think sexual sin can be quite, um, I think it's shameful for both genders, of course. Um, but I think for women, especially just because of how sex is presented in our culture, it makes it makes you seem very abnormal if you are struggling with sexual sin at times. Okay. Um, so I thought I'd just say that because I know some people do struggle with just thinking like, am I strange? 
um, because I struggle with sexual sin and it's always presented in the church as if it's a, a male thing. Mm. I think the last five to ten years has been quite helpful in um, revisiting that because I know a lot of, um, of course, the statistics are a lot higher in men, but the statistics for women is quite alarming as well. Um, and that's something to be concerned about. I, th- I think... Um, I think for me it's been it's been helpful thinking about the consequences of sexual sin um the fact that it is a sin like like no other um the fact that when you see um when you see instances of sin sexual sin in the bible how it's treated so i'm thinking of um first corinthians when um what paul talks about um like just excommunicating the 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 son and the stepmother who are engaged in sexual sin and mm-hmm. talks about just delivering them up to satan essentially um and then thinking of just uh, how it destroys ministries, marriages, friendships, uh, your witness, and also your love for the Lord and and potentially your soul as well. So I, I try and think of that, try and, and mull over the the consequences of sexual sin. Um, it's um it's a, it's a very difficult sin to get out of because it's very enticing and very um it 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 keeps you very secretive. Um, so I, I think just wanted to again speak to your pastor accountability is very helpful i think of wanting to starve sexual sins or kind of just speaking about the things you was talking about um basically making no provision for the flesh um so wanting to mortify sin and then also wanting to grow in grace or daily cultivating your love uh and your new life in christ so doing all you can to grow in grace so the means of grace church attendance praying um just 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 the usual things that we do um so yeah I think there was a book I read that was really hard to read over not because it was hard in terms of the content but because it was just a hard book to read because mm, of yeah. John Owen overcoming sin and temptation I used to reread pages um, but that's a really good book and if it's a difficult book to read just because of how old it is but there's been abridged versions and blogs that people have tried to summarize it so I would definitely recommend that as a book but yeah that's what I would say do you have anything further to add? Yeah, I think yeah. on fornication, because I see it slightly differently to masturbation and mm-hmm. pornography. Okay. So I think what I want to say in that instance is, and it, it echoes what you said at the start, I want you to see um, <clears throat> the potential damage that this does to you, firstly. Okay. Um, sexual sin is a sin against your own body. Uh, we don't have that in terms of lying lying is not sinning there's a there's a severity that comes with this particular sin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i want you to see that i want to s- i want you to see that um this is the type of sin that can again using the verses that diane brought to mind um <clears throat> can be indicative of unbelief mm-hmm. um and therefore would be something that keeps you out of heaven because it'd be a demonstration that you have not truly believed because you haven't turned away from sin including this one um I want you to see the weight of how this particular sin can destroy lives um, because of the nature of um, the good design God had for it. When it comes out in the wrong ways, it can have a tremendously detrimental effect on families, Mm -hmm. on people's lives, on whatever sphere of life you can think of, where this sin is present, it can destroy things. So I want you to see the severity of that. And because I want you to see the severity, I want you to see the severity of that, not to to load you up with guilt, but to then make you think, okay, because this is so severe, I have to be willing to cut my arm off. Mm. And that means whatever situation you're in with whoever, Mm. running away from that situation and putting yourself in uh, as far away from that as possible. And then walking alongside, if you can, 
spiritually mature people in your life to keep you accountable that you don't put yourself back in those situations um on that basis um then what i also want to do so there's so there's that make you aware of sort of the ramifications of this sin eternally and temporally in that priority order um and then sort of like using accountability to help you then i want you to sort of be gospelized because i think when it comes to and maybe i'm touching a bit on the second part of the sin but when it comes to sexual sin um i want to start off by affirming and really affirming that sex is good mm-hmm. and so pleasure that is derived from sex is good because that's a company to sex it's the context in which it comes out which is not god ordained and therefore is sinful mm-hmm. um but because it's good and you have the endorphin release and so on and so forth it becomes difficult to leave it behind for those reasons and i remember i, I forget the name of the pastor it might have been jonathan edwards but he spoke about the power um of a new affection mm-hmm. and what i want to encourage that believer to do in that situation of uh, is it someone else? Is it Chalmers? It might be someone else. If I've, I'm always comfortable with making someone. <laughs> I'm, I'm always comfortable with making someone's history better than it was, than it was. as opposed <laughs> to making it worse than it was. Yeah, but someone, someone, yeah, the power of a new affection. Yeah, the expulsive power of a new affection. Yeah. Um, and what I want to get that person to do is to, and again, this is a Christian because they want to overcome sin. I want them to rekindle a growing affection for seeing God, um, for walking with God, for living in communion with God. And in light of that, I think of First John 3, 3, um, such a gospel-centered passage. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. So because of what Christ has done, um, because of the Father's love and given us um, salvation in Christ, we're children of God. The reason why the world does not know Uh, English can I speak the reason why the world does not know us is that it does not know him okay so the world looks at sexual sin in a very different way doesn't it Mm -hmm. Um, and that will have ramifications for how they treat believers who want to walk in um, a God-honoring sexual ethic beloved so dearly loved we are God's children now in this temporal world in the battle we're seeing we're God's children and what will be has not yet appeared we haven't seen our final state but we know we know we know of certainty that when Christ appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is there is something amazing about the reality that when the Christian meets with their Lord they are taken up by it they just transformed in that instance Mm. and also there's a joy about being with the one who has saved your soul and Mm. then the third verse says because of these realities everyone and everyone who does hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure one of the ways in which we sort of fight against um, temptations of all kinds in particular this type of sin we have the strength to purify ourselves to walk in that sort of like sanctification to pursue sanctification is a great awareness of the reality of eternity that's to come that was brought by a savior who was pleased to leave heaven to die in earth to bring us to heaven Mm. does anyone have thoughts on uh pornography and masturbation i think generally that certainly in um tim chalice's book they're kind of understood to they go hand in hand mm-hmm. um, and I think this is where he gives a yeah it a, was Thomas Chalmers the perspective on understanding particularly God's design for sex 
um, and the corruption of pornography. Um, before getting onto that, I think the point about uh, masturbation when we're thinking about God's right design for sex is certainly his point um, was that um, masturbation is a selfish act. Mm. So sex is meant to be mutually enjoyed between a husband and a wife. Um, but because masturbation encourages isolation, closeness, it means that there is no mutual edification mm -hmm. in a sexual union. Yeah. And what fuels masturbation tends to be uh, viewing pornography. And then that moves, the, the conversation then, then changes from, okay, this corrupting view of um, sex, it mocks God's intention for it mocks God's intention for um, sex, which is to be enjoyed, absolutely, but in the union between a man and a wife. And progressively, I think you kind of, you chart the, the history of people who um, watch pornography and masturbate. Progressively, it gets worse. So the things potentially that you were watching or discussing or reading when you were 13, maybe by the time you're a 21 year old man, have gotten even more graphic because that lust for um, selfish sexual gratification has just driven you to even more um, gruesome um, enjoyment in, in some of those things which you consider pleasurable. Um, and he also makes the point, absolutely correct, that marriage won't necessarily be the end of that struggle of addiction because some people think, if I can just make it to marriage, yeah. then I won't have to deal with this again because I have, long, I have a wife or I have a husband who I'm able to enjoy this with in a safe environment, et cetera, et cetera. Not necessarily realizing that the past 15 years or so, you fueled your mind with so many of these um, deviant sexual fantasies and all of those kinds of things. And then that comes to bear on not only your sexual relationship between yourself and your wife, but it also doesn't necessarily mean that you give up pornography or masturbation entirely at all. Um, and then because there's just that, there's not that um, mutual enjoyment, um, it just encourages that kind of closeness, that thinking about self rather than the selfless love that sex is meant to, um, to demonstrate between a husband and a wife. And then moving forward, you want to start understanding um, the gift of sex as intended by God. So realizing that it's good, um, motivates joyful obedience and enhances true freedom because the exploration that you can enjoy with um, your wife or your husband, mm. um, you're free to do so within the marital within the marital bounds um, because it's it's actively encouraged there because that is that is the, the marriage bed is undefiled mm -hmm. um, and practically speaking, when dealing, I think with pornography and masturbation, um, Tim Chalice raised a number of of, of scriptures that he thought were useful um, for people to memorize and recite to empower self-control. One of those scriptures is um, 1 Peter 3, 7, where it's talking, likewise husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Amen. Um, the, point in, the point that um, is made in Tim Chalice's book is that given into uh, personal sexual sin that is self-gratifying, undermines your ability to live with a spouse in an understanding way. Because for the however many years you've been doing it, 
you've only been thinking about yourself mm. and it becomes about self-pleasing rather than the selfless love um, that should be enjoyed between a man and a wife. Um, secondly, First Timothy 5, 1-2, uh, treat young women as sisters in all purity. And I think um, this is acutely um, pertinent for young men in um, who have been dealing with pornography, um, masturbation in the church. Um, the way in which those things can really uh, clutter your mind really doesn't allow you to see your sister. I was about to say your sister. Sister. Your sister. The way God intends for you to see them um, as part of as part of, of part, as part of God's family. And then lastly, um, Proverbs five eighteen to nineteen. These are these aren't all of them. I'm just giving you. Um, three that I chose from the book. You said know. the book is Sexual Detox by Tim Chalice. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's available free, isn't it? The PDF. I don't know. That, I don't know. I'm not sure. If you email blackberry at gmail.com, okay. Kofi will purchase you a copy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing I'm going by Kingsley now. <laughs> Kingsley will purchase you a copy. Um, and then lastly, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely dear, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Again, just reiterating that point that you can find joy and sweetness, satisfaction in God's design for sex with your wife or your husband, particularly as that is the most wise mm-hmm. design for sex. Yeah. I agree with everything Demi said. <laughs> uh, quick, quick thought I would add is... Um, Stretch! Sorry, Demi just handed his phone over to you. <laughs> S- Satan... Um, creates issues for the believer in a variety of ways and he comes to us at times as an accuser and he comes to us at times as a tempter and I think one of the things that happens with this sin as as Dami's spoken about it being a secret sin Mm. is that it's one where it's very easy to go there are no there are no victims of this I'm the only one here and one that doesn't take into consideration um, the people who actually perform these things for your viewing pleasure, so to speak. Um, and the fact that there is a lot of abuse that goes on to create what is created there for, again, in some sense, your viewing pleasure. And a consideration of men and women made in the image of God should make you think that you don't want to see that distorted in a way that the man is treating the woman, the woman is treating the man in that context. Mm. But also what Satan does is he comes to us as a tempter where he says, um, at, at the point of temptation that says, you know, this will be the last, yeah, yeah this will be the last time. Like, once you do it, God will forgive you. Like, it'll be mm. fine. And someone can fall into the sin at that point. And what he does then is on the opposite end, he now convinces you that actually, after convincing you that repentance is going to be easy, you can be forgiven by God. He now comes to you as an accuser and says, how can you do this as a Christian? You can't be forgiven. And he now says, repentance can't happen. You mm-hmm. can't do it. You shut yourself out of grace. Yeah. And he comes to us from both aspects. And so I think what I want to tell the Christian in the midst of that is from the side of where you're being accused, there is no sin that is able to um, separate us from the grace of God in that sense. Every sin can be overcome. Um, mm-hmm. This is not this is not the unforgivable sin. Yeah. And so in that sense of shame, in that sense of being alone, I want to say that you can overcome it. You need to believe that you can overcome it. You are dead to sin and you can walk in the newness of life that 
being united to Christ brings. And then from the other side of it, focusing on what Diamond said, like take this in seriously. Um, and also remember that there's no temptation that's come upon you that's not common to all mankind. And that with every temptation, God will provide a route of escape. Yeah. Believe that scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a true scripture. We see examples of it in the Old Testament, for example, where Joseph runs away and he's like, how can I do this sin, a sin against God? Mm. Um, so it's a true scripture. Believe that scripture, get it into your soul, sink it into your soul that you can overcome the sin, you can fight successfully and you can walk in purity um, and that there is joy to be found in holiness. There is joy to be found in purity. And that is irrespective of whether the Lord at one stage brings you a marital spouse. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> this was the Black Bria podcast. Ups <laughs> BB um, part five? Yeah, it's 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 been a lot <laughs> of fun. doesn't know. You're the worst with numbering. <laughs> You're the worst. I think it is Ox BB part five or six. We're gonna go Ooh, with that. five or six. Yeah. Ox BB part five or six. But I wanna say thank you to all the people who sort of send in questions. These things aren't actually possible without you actually sending in the questions. So yes. thank you for that. Um, and do also continue to ask us questions that you think that might be helpful to your own spiritual lives via the Curious Cat, via Gmail, in person if you want to, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and we'll do our best to give you answers that we think honors Christ. Um, but yeah, I've been Kingsley. I've been Mary. Darren doesn't want to do this. Thank you. <laughs> <Fast. Stupid>. <laughs> 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 You've been hearing my name. <laughs> <laughs>